You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Good evening, church. So excited to be sharing with you this evening. Um, thank you, Matinelody, for the opportunity. It's like, seriously, you guys are amazing, amazing, amazing. It's always such an honor to share God's word. And for me, it's always like, gosh, God, I just want to do what you would have me do. So I just say, like when Dave said, there are tectonic plates being, you know, taking place, shifting, taking place. I believe there's more of it that's gonna take place tonight in what God is wanting to do in and through our midst. Please look at the neighbor, your neighbor, and say to them, hey neighbor, are you ready for takeoff? Now look at your other neighbor and say, hey neighbor, are you ready for takeoff? <laughs> well, let's make it an interactive evening, amen? All right, well, it's hard to believe that just over two years ago, right, in, the March, of, in March of 2020, we all faced an unprecedented global crisis. Uh, this moment was unlike anything you and I have ever experienced. Uh, right? Amidst all the restrictions, the isolation, the panic, the global church was also going into realignment. I believe the global church was going into realignment. Uh, One of the primary realignments that was taking place in the midst of the lockdown, I believe, had to do with intimacy, meaning no amount of activity we did for the king was going to make up for the neglect of the king himself. Hey, so to put it plainly, we had gotten caught up with looking at his hands rather than beholding his face. If we're not captivated by him first and foremost, then everything we say and do would be nil effect to our immediate family or the world around where we've launched into. If it's not to him, if it's not through him, if it's not from him, then it does not exist. You and I have what we have because of Jesus. Amen. You and I have what we have because of Jesus. Leo had this prophetic word in 2020. He said where uh, the Lord was shaping and transforming his church amidst the pullback so he could propel her with power, precision and potency for the season ahead. He said that the same way an archer draws back the bow, ready to sling that arrow and the arrow is resting on the tension of the string, waiting on the grip to be released, just like a wave being pulled back for a tsunami to be released amidst the pullback. God was shaping and strengthening the church and realigning her values and her priorities to propel her forward. Uh, I am saying to us all, we are not going back to life as we know it. I don't know if you know that or sense it or feel it, we are not going back to life as we know it. But that's not enough because we can feel it and sense it and hear it. But he's asking us to launch out again. He's asking us to launch out again. That means we have to do away with our lockdown hangovers. 
right? We have to do away with our hibernation. We need to press the unpause button. My friend Zina put it on one of our prayer chats recently. She said, it's okay to take a moment or two to catch your breath, but it's time to enter back into the arena and play your game. So I want you to ask your neighbor next to you, are you ready to enter back into your arena? (laughs) I feel like, (laughs) I feel like the Lord is saying, This is your captain speaking. Are you ready for takeoff? Are you ready for takeoff? Please turn with me to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I feel a stir in my spirit and I hope and pray that you would allow God to do the adjustments necessary in order to uh, in order for God to propel you to the next season he has for you. Amen. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on upon you and you You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Everywhere means everywhere, right? Um, Translocal, local, your neighborhood and the nations. We have a a group of people that just came back from Uganda. We We have another group going into Philippines. And I know some of you churches are launching our people into different areas. We have to go local and translocal. That means everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Isaiah 43, 10 says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen. Now this passage of scripture, the Lord is declaring and authenticating you and your job profile. (laughs) You are my witnesses. You declares the Lord. He's authenticating you. Philippians 2.15 says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. How cool is that? John 3.16, John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Come on, let's say fire. Fire. (laughs) We have been commissioned by heaven and been baptized by fire to be a fiery witness, a burning flame for his kingdom. Hallelujah. I wanted to light this place with tiki torches and I thought that would be so unsafe. So I asked, Elodie, could you light up some candles so it can represent what it means to be a burning flame, a fiery witness for his kingdom. Let me give you some insight into what a flame does, okay? It consumes, it burns, it shapes, it refines, it purifies, it emits heat and energy and it draws us close. But guess what? A fire can lose all its purpose and die if we do not attend to the fire. And a dying flame or a lukewarm flame is good for nothing. I feel that many people burn momentarily or temporarily uh, out of emotion because they just got a quick touch. But only the mature burn for decades because they know how to keep their flames lit permanently. 
God has called you and I not to be a spark or a flicker temporarily, but he, instead he has called us to be a raging fire, a flame uh, for this generation and the generation to come. Amen? This generation has had more than any other generation in the past, right? Our lives are filled with stuff to make us more comfortable, more at ease. There's never been a generation with more of an education, more of a wealth, more of a voice. And yet, you know, there is an emptiness. There's the depravity of the human soul. We have an epidemic right now, and I'm not talking about COVID. We got a generation who does not know who they are and what they have been assigned to because our culture is on a pathway to redefine who and what God created. All right? This is more than a generation that is spoiled. This generation has a thirst to feed the flesh, and no matter how much they feed the flesh, there is an emptiness on the inside. Let me tell you, we live in a generation where everything is sensitive and the truth can be offensive. They say wrong is right and right is wrong. Moral is immoral and immoral is moral. Good is evil and evil is good. Worship who you want and what you want because there are many ways to God. Let me tell you, this world is in a downward spiral. Do not go down with it. <laughs> Isaiah 5.20 says, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think of themselves as clever. We thought it was darker back then, but it's even more darker now. The devil is on a mission to strip the church of her identity, of her power, of her authority. So the church is ineffective because he knows a powerless church cannot advance the kingdom. He knows that. The word of God says at midnight, everyone say midnight. A cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. We just sang that. He's coming. Let me say that revival is imminent whether you like it or not. It's on its way because we're in the darkest moment this world has ever experienced. You switch on the news and you'll see what's happening around the world. Uh, Hebrews 12, 27 says, everything in the world that can be shaken will be shaken. You know, Paul instructs us in the book of Romans, it says, high time we wake up out of our slumber because our salvation is nearer now than ever before. I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever heard the cry of God or have sensed it, but there's a cry going out over this generation. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. We do not want to sing senselessly. We want to know that he's coming. Revelations 19 says the heavens opened up and the king of glory is sitting on a white horse and he's represented as faithful and true and on his head are many crowns and his eyes are blazing with fire and his robe is dipped in blood and the king of glory is on his way. Ho, ho, let me tell you, whoo. Oh, let me say that there's coming a moment when you and I least expected that we are going to stand before him. 
We do not know the day or the hour or the minute, but are we ready for that day? Are we ready for that hour? Are we ready for that minute? Are we ready to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Scripture says in Matthew 25, at midnight a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. And guess what? In this parable, there's two sets of girls. Uh, one uh, uh, set, a set of girls are considered foolish and the other are considered wise. And the foolish and irresponsible girls say to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Another translation says, give us some of your oil for our flames are dying. Both groups of women in this parable had lamps. I don't know if you noticed that. Scripture says, lamps represents the word of God. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Both group had access to the same word to bring transformation, to bring illumination and to prepare for his coming. But only one group of people paid the price. Only one group of people paid the price. This is a mark of a faithful person. I hope that this parable does not, this parable does not describe, the, uh, uh, it's not like a prophetic picture of the church upon his return where it's got a flickering flame or a sparkle upon his return. But once there were blazing fire. Note to self, oil and fire is our responsibility. I cannot give you my prayer life. I cannot give you my worship. I cannot give you the time I set aside to spend time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yes, we are all busy, but each of us need to pay a price and pay it every single day. At midnight, a cry was heard. Nowhere does it teach us to be a people who are asleep, not to be a people who have no spiritual revelation of the times we're living in. Romans 13, 11 says, do this, understand the present times. Let me paraphrase what Paul was saying. Do not sleep your way through life. It's time to be launched out again. It's time to snap out and come out of our slumber. The time is drawing. There is a shift taking place. The earth is being prepared for his coming. The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out like any other time. We're going to see Acts 2, chapter 2, all over again, where the Holy Spirit is being poured out in whole regions and nations. And we're going to see a massive harvest. We're going to see regional and national takeover by the Spirit. But he needs his sons and daughters to wake up from their sleep so that care can bring in the harvest. Revival is imminent. Haggai prophesied about this in Haggai chapter 2 verse 7. He says, there will be global shaking and then there my house will be filled with glory. My question to us today is, are we ready? Are we ready for the season ahead? Or do, are we still in that lockdown state? Are we still having a hang, are we still being hung over, so to speak, right? Let me give you an example. 
Like when we go for work overseas or interstate, if we've ever stayed in a hotel, right, uh, the front desk has a uh, this thing called where you can get them to call you, a wake-up call, right? Like, uh, so during the stay, you know, they can give you a wake-up call so that you don't sleep your way through a meeting or an activity or whatever you have to do so you're not late, so that they, you know, ring you up exactly when they need to ring you up. And when the front desk gives you a buzz, guess what? You might choose to ignore that wake-up call and go back to sleep because you know that they may call back in 15 minutes to buzz you back up again. Or you might roll over and press the snooze button because you feel like you need a bit more of a sleep, because you feel like you deserve it, because you feel, you feel like you're still tired and you feel like you're fatigued. And when that alarm goes off, it can be disorientating, right? When that alarm in the morning goes off, it can be disorientating. I believe that there has been an alarm going out to his church worldwide. A, a wake-up call from God to his people in an accelerated way. But this wake-up call has been challenging and confronting and stretching and disorientating. And so we have put a giant pause on that wake-up call. Second Samuel 11 says that David should have been at war. Instead, he found himself on the balcony watching Bathsheba bathe. Guess what? He should have been at war because all those consequences that followed soon after wouldn't have followed if he had been in war, right? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, you are not your own for you have been bought with a price. Let me tell you, our breath, our lives are not our own. They're temporary. They're on loan and they're fading quickly. And what we do here and now counts for eternity. God has given us this life that we would invest it so that he could have a return for it, right? Do you remember the parable of the talents where the master says, I'm going away. So to one, I'm going to give five. To another, I'm going to give two. To another person, I'm going to give one. And so he goes away and upon his return, the person he gives five talents to, he increases it to five more, uh, which he gets ten. The one, uh, the two increases, doubles it, and the one, uh, you know, digs a hole and buries it. He says to the five and the two, "Well done, good and faithful servant." But then, guess what he does to the one who, you know, buried the one talent he got? He said, "You wicked servant! You could have at least invested it and received an interest." I am telling us all, I believe we are going to have to give an account what to what has been entrusted to us because Scripture says that God will reward all the faithful work you and I have done for Him and our work will also be tested by fire. Have a read of it in Revelations 20, 11 through to 15 and 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through to 15. All I'm saying is that we need to wake up to what God has entrusted us to. Jonah was asleep. And you'll say, Christine, no, I think you got the wrong parable. But Jonah was asleep in his thinking, in his thinking to what he needed to do for God. The moment he woke up 
and he was obedient, guess what? Everything else fell in line. I feel like some of us are in spiritual slumber. We do not want to hear the voice of God or what he's saying to us. And we are running away like Jonah is running away. But guess what? God is relentless. He will pursue you till you answer what you're meant to do. And he's also patient. He's an incredible God. We have been commissioned by heaven and been baptized by fire to preach the uncompromised gospel to the sinner and the sane, to our neighborhood and to the nations of the world. It's not time to press the snooze button. Let me tell you, Abraham said, here am I in Genesis 22.1. Jacob said, here am I in uh, Genesis 31.11. Moses said, here am I in Exodus 3.4. Samuel said, here am I in 1 Samuel 3.4. Isaiah said, here am I. In Isaiah 6 8, and Ananias said, Here am I in Acts chapter 9, verse 10. They all said, Here am I. He's waiting on our, this includes me, on our, here am I, send me. There is a spiritual wake up call that's been going globally to every single believer in every church. He's saying to wake up from our compromise, wake up from our sin, wake up from our apathy. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, wake up from our drunken stupor as it's right and do not go sinning. Ephesians 5, 14 says, I love scripture. I'm telling you, Leah spoke about renewing of the mind and having proper precepts and strongholds, correct things. Scripture guards us. And we need to live out what God tells us to live out, right? Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead. Christ will give you light. It says, do not go sleeping. Wake up to the call that is upon you. And Christ will give you clarification and instruction in walking it out. Let me tell you, we need to wake ourselves up. Paul Paul never instructed us to ask God to wake us up. God already gave us an alarm clock. He said, you wake yourself up, right? You wake yourself up. General William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, whose banner was blood and fire, he said this, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will begin... uh, Century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. I hope we are all determined that this will not apply to this generation or the next because we the church understand the present times and we the church knows what is required of us and what price we need to pay. Amen? I believe that there are men and women sitting right here, right now, that are praying, saying, Lord, touch me. Fill me with holy fire. I want to work worthy of the calling that you have entrusted to me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Here am I. Here am I. Send me. Let me tell you, that kind of prayer is dangerous. And I know that there are some of you, I have met some of you today, that some of you out there that are praying, watch the next few weeks and the months in what God is about to do in and through you. It's life altering. 
Leonard Ravenhill was asked at the end of his life, how did you stay faithful to God after all these years? His answer was by looking at Jesus. Nothing else. No added extra. Jesus is not some side dish. Jesus is the main dish. Amen. The Bible says John was a burning flame and a shining lamb. Burning flame and a shining lamb. Catherine Kuhlman, who was an evangelist in 1940s, was known to be a burning flame and a fiery witness. Do you know that they knew that she had entered the building not because they saw her, but because of the glory of God that preceded her entering the building. Dear Lord, I want to be... She had an encounter with the King of Kings continually every moment of every day. Smith Wigglesworth was said that the moment he bowed his knees to pray, guess what? People were falling under the power of God. He never allowed his flame to dwindle and die. Paul's argument to us in Ephesians is that I'm speaking to you, Christian. You have been translated from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. But now I am asking you to walk as children of light. You just got the ticket into heaven, but don't stay there. You now have something else to fulfill. You need to go get others from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Let me say this, Matthew chapter 5, I love the message translation. It says this, you're here to be a light, a flame in Greek, it says this. Bring out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a basket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand, now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, shine. We're called to be a witness and an example of a Christian who's walking awake. Not talking about a woke Christian. Let me tell you that. Somebody else misinterpreted that. I'm talking about a awake Christian. Let me clarify that. God said, I'll give you the fire, but it's up to you to keep it burning. Matt, I'll give you fire, but it's your responsibility to keep it burning. Jen, I'll give you the fire. It's for you to keep your lamps burning. Russ, I'll give you fire. It's your responsibility to keep it burning. Can you hear me? I'm telling you, it's going to take determination and effort on our part to keep our fire from going out. Paul wrote to Timothy while he was awaiting execution, waiting, uh, you know, to face his death. And he encourages Timothy. That just freaks me out. He has preached this gospel. He's waiting to die. And instead of feeling, having this pity party, he wants to encourage Timothy. Because when Paul was there in Ephesus before, you know, they saw revival. And, they, you know, the whole place was shook upside down for two years. And then when Paul got locked into prison, Timothy was sharing, but then he got intimidated by the culture of that society, by the witchcraft and the pagan worship and stuff like that. And Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6, he says, I would remind you to stir up 
rekindle the embers, fan into flame, and keep burning the gift of God, which was imparted to you when I laid on my hands. What was Paul saying? He says, feed the fire, Timothy. Get on with it. I started it. You can do it. All All what you need is in the inside of you. Feed the fire, Timothy. Come on, feed the fire, Timothy. Feed the fire, Clint. (laughs) Feed the fire, Louise. So, (laughs) I'm so glad. So, what are these logs that we need? I believe there are certain logs that we need to keep the fire going. Number one, I want to give you some handles. Having a consistent prayer life. This is how we throw some logs on the fire. Praise like oxygen. It strokes the fire. Prayer builds intimacy and deepens our faith with God. And prayer enlarges a heart as a believer. James 5.16 says, Prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Have, prayer is like a magnifying glass. You know, when a magnifying glass is put on a dry piece of paper, the heat and the concentrated energy on that dry piece of paper, guess what? It catches on flame. What does prayer do on a dry vessel? It catches you, lights you on fire. Number two, meditate on God's Word. Meditate on God's Word. Let me, that's how you throw some logs in the fire. When we meditate on God's Word, we get to know who we are in Christ and what we have been equipped to do. And we shun the lies of the enemy when he says you cannot go out and preach the gospel. We shun the lies of the enemy when the enemy says, I cannot raise up my children in the ways of God. We shun the enemy when he says you cannot heal the sick. Get into the Word. Meditate on the Word because the Word equips us for every good word. Number three, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. I'm telling you, worship enlargens your spirit. A fire cannot be contained in a little box, in a little, in a little place. Fire becomes a blazing, roaring fire when we worship God. Worship God. King of kings and the Lord of lords. Number four, allow the Holy Spirit to move. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. What am I saying? Is there anything in our life that is hindering the Spirit's work? Is there offense? Is there bitterness? Or are we resisting the Holy Spirit when he's saying, go out, launch out, step into the deep? I'm not Adele, but... I'm not going to do that rendition, stepping into the deep. But anyway, number five, we need to preach the gospel. That's how we throw some logs in the fire. Because when we preach, guess what? A a spiritual temperature heightens. There's something that when we empty out, God fills us in and fuels us. And we start burning and we say, I can't contain this anymore. I I need to go out and uh, pour out more so God can give me more. Right? You need to let that fire out. Let Let it out. Amen? 
Have you ever gone camping where you've lit up a fire? I know we used to go to Vision Valley where you've lit up a fire, right? And then the next morning, early hours in the morning, right, those coals, those embers are still glowing. They're, gone, they're not fully gone, but they're still there. But the moment you begin to stir those embers, guess what? The fire starts to awaken. I believe that God is stirring up some dying embers in this room and he's awakening those dying embers to run like never before and be a help to your local people and your local church like never before. Amen. It's not time to quit. It's time to reposition ourselves in God. And no matter what, no matter what we are facing, I want to give you another encouragement. Jeremiah was a preacher's son. He was, a, he was God's prophet to the nation. And about the 20th chapter in Jeremiah, he had been preaching for some time and the message fell on deaf ears. People spoke back to him, threatened him, imprisoned him, dropped him into a slime pit. He became so discouraged and challenged God, why did you send me to preach the gospel? Is there some people like that in here? <laughs> Why did you send me into that neighborhood? My goodness me. He says in verse 9, I will not make mention of him nor speak of him anymore. There was a struggle going on on the inside of his heart. He was like thinking, God, what are you doing? But guess what? That, was, that wrestle was very shortly because in the same verse, Jeremiah says, this is what he says, his word was, was in my heart like burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back in, but I could not. He says, silly me, I know I had a bit of a struggle, but I need to realign now because guess what? I cannot walk away from the truth of God's word because uh, Jeremiah memorized scripture so much so that he cannot be put a like have a deaf ear to scripture. He knew the word of God burned in him and he could not walk away from his prophetic office. We cannot be sleep in the season ahead. I'm telling you, we need to launch out into our sphere of influence and be the witnesses God has called us to be. Let me tell you, we cannot shrink back from what God has placed over our lives. Because in Zechariah 2, 5, God says, I myself will be a wall of fire around you. I myself will be a wall of fire around you. Fire represents the presence of God in the Old Testament. You know, Moses had this burning bush encounter. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years with the pillar of fire. Fire represents the presence of God and the protection of God. It's not just for the Old Testament people. It is for you and I. It is for you and I. Let me give you another example. There's a saying, old saying that says you fight fire with fire. Have you heard of it? You fight fire with fire. We live in this nation. We had so many bushfires. It was constantly on our news till COVID hit. And then there was no bushfire. And now we have La Nina. Is that how you say it? La Nina? Uh, uh, like, honestly, it was constantly there. But it says, I read this and I freaked out. They said they, they um, light, um, I think it's called a backfire in front of an active 
bushfire to stop it from crossing over or going any further. It becomes like a fire belt around the active fire and it stops it from going further. God is saying in Zechariah 2, 5, I will be a wall of fire around you. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the enemy had a different plan for their life. He, he threw them in the furnace, but God says, no, 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 no. That strange fire is not going to touch my people. I, you know, I got them. No matter what you launch yourself into, God says, I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. I am convinced that you're not here tonight by accident. I feel like God is fueling you out. He's getting you ready. He says, I am making pathways and I'm getting you ready for what's ahead. Don't be asleep. Do not be like the foolish virgins who didn't know that I was coming. Be ready and be aware of what's ahead. He's coming. He's coming, church. He's coming. I know that there are mamas in these rooms, and I've had five kids. You know, at first, the constructions are so far apart, and then it gets closer and closer and closer, and guess what? Then the moment of birthing comes. I'm telling you, the earth is groaning and groaning and groaning and groaning and preparing for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We want to be ready for Him. Amen. We want to be ready for Him. I feel like there's a siren, there's a call going out to you and I. And I'm, this word is just as much for you as for me. Uh, that is challenging and confronting to say, do not be stuck. Do not have a ball stuck to the ankle of your foot. You need to launch out. You need to strip away from all patterns and all behavior and all ways of thinking because God is doing a, a new thing. He's shifting the tectonic plates and He's breaking open the heavens and He's breaking over uh, limitations and mindsets. And He's saying, guess what? Yes, you. Yes, I know you are a mother, but guess what? I have assigned you to greater places greater places. Yes, you're a father. I've assigned you to greater positions. Take your rightful place. Take your rightful place. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.